Welcome to Bossy Pants and the Nerd. We're Mel and Kevin, and we're going to chat with you about our passions, what we've learned, and what we love. Also, we're married to each other, and you get to listen to us talk. You are welcome. So today we thought we'd uh, introduce the topic of parenting, because that can easily be covered in 20 minutes. Right. Um, <laughs> Yes. For those of you who don't know me well enough to sense my sarcasm voice, it sounds just like my regular voice. It's just that it's funny. <laughs> if you're listening. If Yeah, if you're, anyway. And you're in a good mood. <laughs> it's true. It's true. So anyway, so we thought we'd talk a little bit about parenting. Uh, we have two little chillins of our own, two girls, and um, we thought it'd just be a good way of uh, kind of continuing the introducing ourselves. Uh, just because so much of how people parent is wrapped up in how they themselves are parented and in all of the, like, the thought processes that goes through, like, you know, crime and punishment, basically, <laughs> trying to make sure everything turns out all right. Um, yeah, no, so parenting, super fun, right? Yeah, I think for me, one of the most interesting aspects of parenting is quickly becoming the seeing myself in my children and in both the best ways and the most atrocious sort of ways where <laughs> I am in incredibly proud and I resonate with a lot of the things I see my girls doing, especially my four and a half year old as, as she's, I'm having very vivid deja vu moments because I, because I have memories of being four and a half and and what that was like for me and what was going through my head. And I have I have some friends and family members who think that she very much is like me in every way. Um, and that is really exciting and also, like I said, terrifying because um, I think for me, it's, it's a in continual invitation from God to be... Um, humble to be to see myself as as she sees me and as she helps me to see myself um and why am I doing the things I'm doing so I often uh I'll, I'll get upset over things that aren't being done the way I want them to be done and I see that in her and so I think okay um how can I help her to develop the thing that is still 34 years later developing in me or 30 years since I'm I mean, because the goal is that your kid is like you, but gets but smarter faster. Right. <laughs> right? Like, here, if you can somehow download the benefit of your experience into the mind of your child, you're doing all right. Mm -hmm. Right? And um, sometimes you just got to be dumb and make their own mistakes, though. Like, hey, you shouldn't put nail polish on the outside of the nail polish container because it'll get welded shut and you can't use your favorite pink anymore. Indeed. Because that happened this morning. <laughs> but... The way that uh, I, I have this, my most vivid memory is probably that way because I have a VHS tape of myself uh, at my fifth birthday party with my five or six little girl friends. And for 35 minutes, the, the camera, the big old camera was on a tripod and just sat there taping what I was doing with my friends. And there were no organized games. That wasn't my mom's style at all. Um, and so I just took charge. <laughs> As a five-year-old, I just instructed them, each of my friends, what we were going to do. We were going to play some sort of guard the stairs sort of game. 
and they all did it and it looked like zero fun like i i'm watching this movie and i'm mortified because i'm thinking who on earth would want to be my friend because i'm just bossing them all around and so i've long had a complex about being bossy but i also realized that there are friends of mine who chose to be my friends who chose to come to my party and who allowed themselves to be included in a game and so i know there's some gift there in leadership in facilitation and ideation like all of these things like let's do this together and so when i see my own daughter making people do things it triggers me and i get real freaked out it's a lot of really fancy words you just used for hey my kid's really good at telling people what to do and sometimes that needs to be done yeah thank you um that sometimes it does need to be done so i'm trying to help her cultivate that while also being humble and having this attitude of inviting people into things instead of telling them what to do because i'm still working on that it's like this morning, like, <laughs> you know, when our youngest smashed her face on the edge of the couch and was kind of screaming her guts out. She's and so like me. we just decided to like, okay, well, all right, let's see if the big one can comfort the little one so we can go have breakfast. And <laughs> it wasn't quite that bad. No, she but, offered. She goes, June, do you want me to hold you? Yeah. So like we, we take the little one, we set her down and immediately like she's looking at me. She's like, okay, dad, I need some tissues. Okay. Take deep breaths. And like, she's like doing all of the things. I'm like, wow, that is exactly what Melanie tells me to do. And what Melanie says yeah. when the kid's screaming. Uh-huh. <laughs> so it's like, they definitely, yeah, they're little mini U's running around and, um, None of them have decided to, like, just sit in a quiet room by themselves with lights off for a couple hours yet, so I must not have quite as much influence on them they as They talk think. a lot. They, they do talk a lot. Uh, especially the firstborn. The, the second one's a little more True. manipulative, like you are. A little bit more sneaky. Like, she just does things, and before you, you know it... You can say manipulative, it's okay, I won't get mad. <laughs> she's taking over the world, and you didn't even notice. Whereas the firstborn, I just have this instinct of what she's doing and why she's doing it, because I see it in myself. I just have this what is that line from Hamilton where like I know her better than I know myself my I know more than I know my own mind. my own heart I yeah like my own, my own mind oh you're talking about this yeah song. Eliza and Angelica um, for those of you who haven't listened to Hamilton yeah. what are you doing with your life you need to go do it now Disney plus give free it at trial. least a second chance if you don't like it right off the bat yeah if you don't it's if fast. you're not familiar with the history of like the Revolutionary War period it's gonna take two watchings to catch everything I probably and that's okay. should have read a book before I watched it Anyways, I know her better than I know my own mind because it's very much the same. Yeah. So when I'm parenting, like Melanie and I have kind of different approaches. Melanie is like, okay, let's guide them through the process. Let's, you know, like let's walk with them, you know. Also, I do yell at them and I apologize. Yeah, I'm, not, that's, I'm that's, not the perfect cool. parent. I'm just like, going to say that. <laughs> I, I'm glad you were the one to say that so I didn't have to. Yeah. Um, my favorite thing in the world is what I call passive parenting, which is... When you've done the thing I need you to do, then I'll let you do this other thing that you really want to do. So that for me to be a good parent in that moment, all it requires is for me to go, no, you can't do that fun thing yet because you haven't picked up your marbles. And I don't have to like sit next to them. I don't set a timer. I don't have to like convince them to do it. I could just be like, no, you don't get get new toys out until the marbles are picked up. If that means you want to play with the marbles for the next five hours, sweet. That works for me. If you want to pick up your marbles to play with something else, that works great for me too. I have to do absolutely nothing in this situation. So by except passive be consistent. parenting, you also mean lazy. No. 
No, you I don't. Mean, I, I, I actually will absolutely Work smarter, say not harder. It. Yes, it is yes. very much a work smarter, not harder kind of thing. Okay. Because if I come up and say, Kirsten, if you do not pick up your toys within five minutes, then you don't get screens tomorrow. That is what I do. Now I've just punished myself tomorrow because my kid is going to be bored and bothering me all day. And she still didn't pick up her stuff because she doesn't give two craps about a punishment tomorrow. You know, like, and so, like, there are ways that you can set yourself up for success and relaxed parenting. And there are ways you can set yourself up to have to follow through on a bunch of stuff that you really wish you hadn't said out loud to your child. Does that also sound like more reward-based than punishment-based? Like, if you do this, I will... Like, this is the reward. I think it's just building consistency so the kid knows that when dad says something, he meant it. Mm -hmm. Like, because if I just say, hey, yo, you've got a bunch of marbles on the floor. Somebody's going to slip on those and die. Mm -hmm. Um, We should pick those up before we play with anything else because that's important. If the kid knows that I actually mean that and they're not going to get to play with the dominoes, they're not going to get to play with the blocks until the marbles are picked up, all I have to do is not get anything else out for them. And I am being consistent and I'm building trust and I'm being a good parent. Sure. Okay, so here's my question about that. Because in my experience, hang on, let me ask my question. How do you follow up on that? Like, doesn't that take a lot of attention for you to... Because if I say that, then I look over and suddenly they've got 14 more toys out because even though I said you can't play with that, anything else until you pick up the marbles... If I don't make sure they've picked up the marbles, I look over and they've got 10 other toys out and they haven't done what I've said because I didn't follow up. Sometimes it means that if I was reading a book or typing something, I grab a laptop or I grab my book and I sit in front of their other toys. Okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> then I don't have to like remember to pay attention to them. I'm sitting on them. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> the toys, not the kids. I don't sit on my children. Right. So, what is our job as parents? I mean, there's the keeping our kids alive. That's important. There's feeding them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always thought that our we're, we're not, like, telling them what to do and what not to do, but helping them create kind of a filter and a, a way of processing things and decisions for their future um, so that they can, they can make up their own minds. Mm-hmm. What do you see as your job? Well, I mean, job one is, yes, make sure they don't die. Uh, <laughs> make sure they understand what's safe and what's not. But also, like, acknowledging even when they're tiny mm-hmm. that there's going to come a day where they're going to go off to, you know, get their own place and they're going to move out someday. And I want them to be ready for that day. Instead of being, like, surprised by that day. Mm -hmm. I think that one of my main jobs is based on my own beliefs in God and the work of God's kingdom. And so, but that's a very specific faith-based version of parenting um, that, of course, doesn't, doesn't guide everyone's principles. But for me, both in faith and in practice in how to keep your 
your house, how to be friends with other people, how to be a neighbor, how to take care of your toys, whatever. I include my children, the way my job is to include them in what I'm doing rather than having specific times when I'm teaching them things. Um, so there may be things where I say, okay, let's sit down and learn this. But a lot of what I do is including them. So if I'm sitting and trying to journal some prayers and thoughts, or if I'm reading my Bible, if I'm reading a, a book for fun, or if I'm taking a walk or talking to a neighbor, I invite them to be a part of that. They'll ask me questions. And I, my original, like years ago, I wanted to just have a separate life, a very privatized grown-up hood. And like, I'll take care of your needs and then I'll get to be a grown-up. Whereas now I've, I've really begun to include them in in that process so that they're learning as they're little and processing along the way, even in terms of like puberty and physical parts of your body, as they're asking me questions in the bathroom in privacy, I, instead of waiting and saying, I'll tell you when you're older, I'll tell you when you're older, I've just been telling them what to expect. And so now Kirsten especially seems to be kind of excited and happy and really intrigued and not at all, you know, going to be the 12 year old who's totally freaked out when she starts her period. She's going to be super excited when she starts getting armpit hair, I bet. Yeah. She'll be like, mommy, look, I've got armpit hair yeah. now. It's fantastic. Yeah. So. Well, and I, I think that's true of most things too, is, you know, our, our job is not to isolate them from things we don't agree with or isolate them from things that we don't think they're ready for. And then magically just spring it on them when they're ready for finally, it. Finally, like, mm -hmm. you know, okay, well, you are now four feet tall. That means we have the sex talk. You know, like, <laughs> I mean, it, it sounds stupid to say it yeah. that way, but so many people are like, well, I don't know. I just don't know if they're ready for, for all of that. But, like, I think we've talked about those kinds of things enough with Kirsten that, like, that, the sex talk, quote unquote, when it happens is going to be really anticlimactic. Because it's just going to be taking all the things that she's already asked about mm -hmm. and just kind of putting them together in a way that makes sense. Like, oh, that's that's how people make babies. Mm -hmm. Oh, all right. I mean, I already knew that the baby grew in the mom's mom's tummy. Mm -hmm. And I already knew where the baby came out of because I asked mom one time in the shower. You know what I mean? Like, she's going to be able to put all those things together and go, hey, I've already heard about all that stuff. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. And it's not going to be some traumatic, like, whoa, what in the world? Why didn't you tell me about this before kind of conversation? It's going to be like, oh... Yeah, okay. And I think that gets extended to other things, too. Like, you know, you try and make sure that your kid doesn't start learning what topics are off limits. Mm -hmm. mm. You know, because, like, if you tell your kid, like, well, we're not ready to talk about that. Oh, okay. So now your kid has this mental box of things that they shouldn't talk about with their mom. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, you don't, you don't want that box to exist, much less to be full of stuff. Yeah. Right. Were there things in our childhoods that were off limits based well, on our faith? I mean, like all the families? all the basic things, like, you know, you can't ask your mom about things that your friends said at school because half of them are swear words and mm -hmm. you're not allowed to say those words. Mm -hmm. So you stop asking your parents about things that happened at school. Mm. Right. Get in trouble. And so now I've got these like two sets of knowledge. Like there's what I learned about at church that I could talk to mom and dad about. And then there's what I learned about from my friends at school that I have 50-50 shot of, like, sort of getting in trouble if I talk about it. Mm. Right? And so my my stuff I learn at school and my stuff I learn at church 
didn't really cross over. And it made it even worse because I didn't go to the same school that a lot of my friends went to Mm. from church. So, like, I had different friend groups even. Oh, yeah. So you didn't get to talk to your church friends like your school friends. Well, I mean, they weren't, they were just completely separate groups of people. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, like part of our our goal as parents is to integrate that Mm -hmm. and to let the kid know that, hey, you know, like what you learn at school or what you learn at church or what you learn from your friends when you're playing in the neighborhood or whatever, you can bring all of that to me and I'll help you sort through it and I'll help you understand it so that that way you're not just guessing. Mm -hmm. You know, you have the, you know, you've got your parents backing you up Mm -hmm. instead of your parents policing and censoring. Can we briefly jump back to that moment in in the in the mall when that child was <laughs> crying? I yeah. think Kirsten had just been born. No, we, you were pregnant. I was pregnant still. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, we had no child. Uh, and it was cold and wintry, and I wanted to take a walk, so we went to the mall to mm-hmm. walk, and there was a mom with, I think, a couple of kids, and they were riding one of those, like, 50-cent cars in the middle of one of those stupid annoying cars that the kids like ride around the mall and hit everyone oh okay yeah 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 like you rent them and then you drive around oh yeah it wasn't the stationary one no (laughs) okay and they were the kid was freaking out because they were done and they had to turn in their car and the mom's like stop crying like she was just screaming at this kid who was screaming because he was mad that he had to be done do you remember? Yeah. That? Well, you said he was mad and you said that a kid needs to shut up and mm-hmm. that you weren't looking forward to having a kid who does that. Right. And I said, he's not mad though. Mm-hmm. Like, cause the kid wasn't screaming mad saying, I want to go again. I want to go again. Mm-hmm. He was just like, no, like he was just, he was just crying. He was like, sad. He was sad that he had a good thing and that the good thing ended. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, wait, why are we mad at this kid? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was the first, it was a real breakthrough moment for me because I was very much and still struggle with like just telling people to pull themselves together and Edna mode yeah pull yourself together um if you haven't seen the Incredibles you need to right after you watch (laughs) Hamilton also Uh, on Disney plus (laughs) um but I often am caught telling the girls stop crying or go to your room stop crying or go to your room but we've switched that a little bit to saying this space needs to be quiet and peaceful. And if you need to be loud and you need to keep crying, you can go do that in your room. And until you're ready to be quiet and calm, you can stay there. And to be clear, like it's not cry shaming. It's usually because they're doing it at the dinner table because right. they're sad they can't have more cottage cheese. Right. Because for some reason, our kids love cottage but cheese it was more becoming, than normal people. <laughs> it was becoming cry shaming because I was just like, stop. But yet she was upset about something, and that is an important thing to process their emotions about. So acknowledging, oh, you know, that that mom could say to that kid, I understand you're really sad. That was super fun, and I'm really bummed, but I hope we can maybe do it another time. Right. Um, can you can you say goodbye to these Well, there's that particular <laughs> conversation, too. Like, the mom basically said, well, you're never doing it again. Oh, yeah. You know? And you were, like, all on team mom. Like, yeah, absolutely, the mom's right. Screw that kid. And I was just like, well, kids should be allowed to be sad when Mm -hmm. good things go away. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I think it just kind of plays into the whole repressed white people thing where like we're not allowed to have emotions. Right. Especially boys. So. Well, and that's a whole nother conversation that I would like to have here is parenting our children in an age where we need to uncover racism and. Or how about 
pastoring our churches? Pastoring our churches. Yeah, ha- like there's... Or how about just an episode on racist white people? At least an episode. Which maybe is a oxymoron or... No, not an oxymoron. What's the... Uh, uh, redundant? Yeah. Yeah, redundant. Uh, racist white people being redundant. Right. <laughs> yeah. That's another conversation. We just lost viewers. That's Sorry. okay. So... Hashtag real talk. Um, spanking. Speaking of... Spanking, yeah. So... <laughs> I think most people our age grew up with parents who spanked. I think that's I, fair to say. I was spanked. Yeah. And um, I, one of the things that Mel and I decided, like, I don't I don't remember when we talked about it. We It's not that we have never spanked our kids, ever. I don't think we've ever done the just wait till your father gets home, bend you over the knee and smack you a bunch of times kind mm-hmm. of spanking. But it's been the, no, seriously, that just was, like, super dangerous, and you just put somebody in physical harm. So I need to make sure that you absolutely are paying attention. But I would say in the last, what, since quarantine started, like, four months ago, mm-hmm. three or four times? Oh, I haven't spanked them at all. I I don't think I've ever done it to Junia maybe once, and it was, like, her hand because she wouldn't let go of something. But with Kirsten, my anger was getting out of control when she was about two years old. Because she wasn't obeying, you know, it was just like a hard time. And so I would just say, if you don't do this, I'm going to smack your hand. And oftentimes I would give her the warning that it was coming. Like Mm -hmm. I knew it wasn't right when I just smacked her hand for no reason. And so I felt okay about it because I wasn't turning her over my knee or smacking her across the face or whatever. Yeah, you and I would have words if it ever happened to our face. No, I? yeah. Like, I, I didn't ever take it to that level that it would would have been really harmful, but I didn't like what I was doing because when I heard that Kirsten, especially when she became a big sister, and I started telling her that pushing and hitting, or with her friends, like, hitting isn't okay. We can't hit people. And then she brought back at me that I was hitting her, when I was thanking her and I wasn't okay with that. I, I was realizing this is not the way to solve our problem. Um, sometimes yelling is like, if your kid's going to run to the road, like you have the great stop doing that right now. Got a good dad voice. It's like horrifying, but it gets the job done. And, and every once in a while, like I can see the hand smack being appropriate, but like almost never, like it just does. It's not teaching love Kindness, education. I would say it's fair to say it's something that we do less than once a month. I, yeah. Like, I mean, that... I have tried to I just wanted to entirely. put, like, a time frame to it. Yes. So that people, like, we're not just saying, well, it's not that much, but it's every other day kind of thing. No, like, yeah. it's less than once a month. I would say in the last year, I've only done it maybe three times. Okay. So, the reason I, I bring this particular issue up is because I think it, it illustrates a lot about what we think about what the responsibility is for a authority in general um i have absolutely no data to back this up but i would not be surprised if there was a correlation between parents who encourage spanking of children and parents who approve of like the death penalty Hmm. and i realize that may not be a totally fair comparison but i think it's probably a correlated belief is what i will call it i will not say one causes the other but I will say that they probably go together. Is that a, is that called corporal punishment? Either. Corporal punishment is like physical. Either of those things, yeah, yeah. Sure. Okay. And so, what I'm thinking about in this in this case is that is your job as a parent to 
scare your child away from bad behaviors, which I would argue that that's, that's what corporal punishment would accomplish. Mm -hmm. And then seeing also like, for instance, the prison system as that's what you scare people with. Mm -hmm. If you continue to misbehave as an adult, we will send you to prison, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, Whereas I think that there's a growing movement of people that are, that they see both parenting and the sort of like societal level as can we help people understand what needs to be done? And the emphasis is on keeping people safe rather than punishing people after the fact. Mm-hmm. Right. So the purpose of prison, if you have to put someone in prison, is not because, well, this person was bad. So we're going to put them in prison for 20 years because screw that guy. We're going to put him in prison only if we genuinely believe that they would be a harm to other people if we were to allow them freedom. Which I think the list of people that actually are that is much, much, much orders of magnitude smaller than our current prison population. Hmm. You know? And so this gets into like, you know, mandatory minimums for sentencing for judges where like, hey, you know, somebody got in possession for an ounce and a half of weed because they crossed the state line and they were in Colorado and now they're in Wyoming. And so, well, oh, they're in prison for five years now. You know, like one of those things where maybe you want to be able to show leniency and you can't in our jail system. Like, well, the good news is, as a parent, you have that leniency. Mm. Like, nobody's going to come in and be like, wow, you didn't spank your kid enough, so go to jail. (laughs) You know? And so Mel and I are loving the... um, Yeah, I was going to say, we love the episode of Parks and Rec, which, again, if you haven't seen Parks and Rec, (laughs) you absolutely should watch it. We're apparently media moguls here. But, like, there's this episode where... From 2004. Yeah, I know. Pawnee, Indiana... Is this little podunk town in the middle of nowhere, and they have a sister city down near Caracas, Venezuela, right? Which, so they, they have a visiting delegation from Venezuela, and there's this one tirade in particular where they're like, what? You just had a town hall meeting, and they were yelling at government officials. Where were all of the armed men with guns to go take them to jail? Like, all of these things. We have the best citizens because of jail. If you overcook chicken, you go straight to jail. You undercook fish, straight to jail. Undercook, overcook. You know, like, and he goes through this, like, long list of reasons you'd send someone to jail because, you know, you screw anything up. Late for a dentist appointment. Late for a dentist appointment, straight to jail. We have the best patients in the world because of jail. You know, like, (laughs) and, like, it's this, like, super over-the-top thing, except that you realize that that's kind of how we actually do things. (laughs) You know, like, if somebody says, oh, man, I had to do community service and go to an anger management class, you're like, they got off easy. But maybe that's actually fixing the problem in a way that jail definitely wouldn't have. Like, somebody's got anger issues and you send them to jail, you haven't helped. Probably going ex- to <laughs> exacerbate the anger issues. Right. And so, like, if your kid has anger issues and you just keep sending them to their room and not talking about it, are, are you helping? Yeah. They're probably not Or if processing. your kid has anger issues and then you hit them. Right. Even if it's on their butt or the back of their hand or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like... Are, are, are you helping them process their anger issues or are you just showing them right. another outlet for their anger issues that they get to use later when they mm-hmm. smack their sister? So I think some some of what I've been trying to do doesn't always work great. But in the moment, they're, like whether it's our children or me, we're, we're really angry and unable to process and communicate anything effectively. So we just say, 
go to your room or I'm, I need a minute. Like somebody, we all need a minute and we're going to talk about this when we're calm. And so, you know, five minutes later or whatever, however long it takes, 20, 30, we come back together and we can have the conversation that we couldn't have in the heat of the anger. Because there is something to be learned and discussed. There's someone's feelings that were getting riled up because something was affected in them. Right. And they need to know how to process that. And I problem, need to know how to process that. And the that. problem is, too, like, you I mean, you just have to go on Facebook to find a bunch of people that were never taught those coping skills as a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like, I mean, let's be real. Like, if you go on, you know, Facebook and somebody posts something political and you go and politely post the contrary, you're going to see people who don't have anger management skills. Mm-hmm. Right. Or if you post just hashtag Black Lives Matter, you're going to see a lot of people who have anger management issues or if you go and you post something from the other side of the political spectrum and i can't think of anything right now that isn't super racist so i won't (laughs) but anti-masks which i would argue is stupid and if you don't wear your mask shame on you i'm not sure we can be friends because you uh, don't read enough um (laughs) yeah that's a little harsh but maybe it's deserved wear your dang mask okay um but yeah like finding ways of coping with that anger like there are issues here this is a problem i need to resolve this and i'm going to do so without violence and without yelling right um that is something that i really think that we need to do a better job of as parents in -hmm. general like and also maybe us specifically so we need to do better do better people peace peace